you, I want to invite you to open up to Acts chapter 20. And if you'll remember, as we come here to Acts chapter 20, here's where we are in the timeline. Apostle Paul just finished his third missionary journey, in which he spent three years at Ephesus. Later, after those three years, he kind of traveled around, strengthening the other churches, on his way now to Jerusalem. As he's on his way to Jerusalem, the only thing he knows about what's going to happen when he gets there is chains and tribulations await him. As he was traveling back down, he decided he wasn't going to stop at Ephesus. He kept going, but he ended up having a layover, sort of unexpected, in Miletus. At Miletus, which is a beach uh, a beach town, he pulled out, found himself a nice place on the beach for a few days, and he sent message to Ephesus telling the elders at Ephesus to come down. So the elders that were at Ephesus met him at Miletus, and at Miletus, he gave his last word to them. He would never go back to Ephesus. He would still write the book of Ephesians from uh, a prison in Rome a little bit later, but here, he's, it's his last time, last time he'll ever see him. He's never going to be back to him again. So he kind of has his, his last words that he wants to share with them. So as we see it, last time you remember, we, we took a look. And one of the things that I'm hoping to be able to, to kind of pull out for us as we look at, at the life of Paul and we look at the encouragement that he's given to, to the, the Ephesian elders, to me, what he, he indicates the same thing that you and I can see in our life. If we just back up a little bit and take a look. What we see is that we all have appetites. We have appetites for a lot of things. I call my appetite my wanter. Any of you guys have one of those? A wanter that wants things? Then every time I get something from my wanter... My wanter is satisfied for a brief period of time, and then it begins to want again. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that that, that desire in me for something is God-given. My taking that desire or want and directing it toward things of this world, looking for something worldly or of this world to satisfy this this desire. I don't know. I can't, I can't really put a name. I have an appetite to be happy. I have an appetite that wants to enjoy life, that wants to really be able to celebrate all the things that God's Word tells me that we, that we should be able to celebrate. But I can't find that peace anywhere. I don't find the thing. Now, I won't say that I've had it all, but I've had a lot of it. All left me still hungry. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, Blessed is he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for he shall be filled. What's that mean? He shall be filled. That means he's going to be satisfied. So Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 that it is possible to be satisfied, to satisfy the hunger in my life, the desire that I keep trying to plug with stuff, things, relationships, whatever. You fill in the blank. It is possible to be satisfied in Him. But a lot of times when we come to Christ, we come to Christ intellectually. 
Are you with me? I mean, we come to Christ and we say, I believe Jesus existed. I believe He did the things the Bible says. I even believe He died and, and rose again. And those are all great things. And those are all things that are necessary for us to, to really come to faith. But there's more than just intellectually knowing the things that the Bible says about them or what people say about them. There's the kind of knowledge that I think He calls us to that is it's different. You see, Paul would describe it to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5. He would describe the relationship that we're to have with Christ like a husband and wife. Now, we've all had a variety of different experiences Maybe you've been married more than one time. Maybe you've had a hard time in marriage. But I find it interesting that the one thing, the one human relationship that God uses to say, this is what a relationship with my son looks like, is the relationship between a husband and a wife. The closest of all human relationships. In marriage, we are to multiply the joy. That means the joy should be greater. And divide the sorrow, because there's more shoulders to bear that sorrow. That is the relationship that God says, this is what it's like. And unfortunately, for most of us, or maybe for many of us, our relationship with Christ is more like a bad marriage than it is like the picture of marriage that the Bible portrays. I know my wife. I look into her eyes, and I know what that look means. When she says, don't worry, it's fine. I know what she really means when she says, don't worry, it's fine. Because I know her intimately. I know things uh, uh, about her that I don't know about anybody else. Because we have a very close and intimate relationship. And that is the relationship that God says, this is what it ought to look like. This is what it ought to look like. Does that depict your relationship with Christ? Does your relationship with Christ look like that? That that intimacy? Is your wanter in your life? Is it pointed toward Him? Do you desire Him? Do you desire God? Do you long for Him? Are you are you drawn to Him? There's one thing God asks us for, right? Deuteronomy chapter six. One thing. You would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. When he talked of David, he called David a man with an undivided heart. That meant that his wanter was pointed toward the Lord. When he talked about Solomon, he said, Solomon, you, David told Solomon, Solomon, you need to be a man of undivided heart. But what do we see? What happened to Solomon? Well, he had his heart, his wanter was pointed toward the Lord at the beginning. But, you know, a thousand wives and more gold than you can count and silver and more horses than you can imagine and more wealth than you can even begin to fathom in your life divided his heart. And the end wasn't quite what it was in the beginning. Which of those men do we resemble? David, undivided heart, not perfect, undivided heart. His wanner pointed toward the Lord. Solomon, divided heart, He wanted all kind of other things. The Bible says, and his heart was turned away from God. 
Paul comes and he gives to us a picture of resolute commitment. We see it in verse 24. We talked about it last time. Remember in verse 24, he said, not only was he there to serve the Lord, and he said he served the Lord with humility and with tears and through trials. And not only did he share the word, we talked about that last time. Remember, he did not shun to declare the whole counsel of God, what God's word really said. He shared all that thing. How did he do it? He did it by proclaiming, heralding. He did it by teaching. And he did it by testifying. That means his life really bore resemblance to the things he said. Not only all those things, he surrendered his will. And he headed toward Jerusalem knowing that it meant chains. Knowing. And he said in verse 24, None of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself that I might finish my race with joy. Man, he, he was focused. Resolute commitment. Why? Because his wonder was pointed at Christ. Isn't that what he said in Philippians chapter 1? For me to live is Christ, but to die is what? Gain. And we talked about that last time. Remember, picture, dying is a loss of everything, right? We agree? Everything. All your stuff, all your money, all your desires, all your relationships, it's all gone. But Paul lived his life with his water pointed at Christ so that if he lost everything, he really gained it all. That's a, that's a phenomenal concept and that is, I think, a real key to us having that resolute commitment like Paul did. Where we can say, none of these things move me. Well, even though things aren't going right, even though I lost my job, even though this happened or that happened or this, whatever. I mean, we all got a variety of, of different sad stories where maybe we didn't reach the fulfillment of all that we desired. But if our wonder is pointed at Christ, we can find ourselves in a place of resolute commitment saying, that's all I want is Him. More of Him. To know Him and the power of His resurrection. Isn't that what Paul declared to us? So this is the heart that we see. And here we find ourselves in the last section of what we were looking at in Acts chapter 20. We'll pick it up in verse 28. As we read together, he says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in, not sparing the flock. And also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. So therefore, watch and remember that for three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. For I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. And I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that He said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, 
that they would see His face no more. And they accompanied Him to the ship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank You. God, for the truth of Your Word. Lord, may we apply this warning now that, that Paul gives that we could reach that place of a resolute commitment that is able now to be the, the watchdog, the watcher on the wall, Lord Jesus, to see where the enemy would come to rob, steal, and destroy. I pray, God, that You would be glorified in this place, Lord, as we open Your Word and we give You praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's three titles that we see here. And it's interesting. Um, I'm not a big title guy. In fact, if any of you have seen my parking place, it's the one all the way at the top with a, with a maroon truck. I don't have to worry about it because nobody wants it. Um, somebody the other day, Castleford had a football game, and some kids went through and keyed a bunch of cars. And the coach asked me if my truck got keyed. And I said, I have no idea. I wouldn't be able to tell if somebody took a key to that. It'd be pointless. Nobody's ever going to key that. Up there, there is my title. It's on the fence. If you've seen it, it's a joke. So just in case anybody sees it, they don't think, oh, wow, Jackie's. <clears throat> Every once in a while I've shared, I get mail. And I can always tell if they know who I am by the title that they put on it. And I got a piece of mail that said, The Most Holy Right Reverend Jackie Roberts. That is dead giveaway that they have. No, they don't know me at all. At all. So a brother in the fellowship made me a sign that says, Most, ho- most Holy, actually, Most Holy, because I'm kind of a, a jolly guy, Most Holy Right Reverend Jackie Roberts. And that is on my parking place. All the way up there on the fence. So if you see that sign, now you know what that sign's all about. I'm not a big title guy. If you want a title, this is probably not the best place for you. People who have been here for a while, you walk up to them and say, well, what's your, what's your role here at the church? I don't know. I, I just, we do what we got to do. Help who we need to help. If it needs picked up, we pick it up. If it needs fixed, we fix it. In the titles that we see in the page of Scripture today, you have three of them. Elder, Overseer, Shepherd. They're all used synonymously in Scripture. I'm not really interested in someone else's opinion of those words. I'm interested in what does the Word of God say. The Word of God uses all three synonymously, the same. The elder, I think, is a word that talks about the man. The word is uh, presbytos. Presbytos literally means old guy. That's what it means. The Bible translates it how? Elder. Somehow we turn that into a title. What does it really mean? It means a a person who is mature in their relationship with Christ. Just like an old man is mature or wise in life, an elder, a presbytos, is mature or old in Christ. The elder. He called for the elders. The other word is used is the word overseer. The word overseer is episkopos. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Presbytos and episkopos? We could say Presbyterian and Episcopalian, couldn't we? It's the same, but from the same words. 
That's what it means. It means the overseer, that talks about the ministry. What's the ministry of the, the, the elders in the body, the mature believers in the body? To be watchers, watching over. That's what it means. Overseer, to watch over. And the third word used of these guys is the word poimenos. Poimenos is a word for shepherd. It's a word for shepherd. To shepherd the flock meant what? To feed, to tend. If they broke a leg, you bound the leg up. If they were lost, you went and found them. So when he talks about these things, I think they talk about the man. He's mature. I think they talk about the ministry. He oversees. He watches over. And I think it talks about the method. Like a shepherd. He tends them. He watches over them. They, as a body of Christ, I think any mature believer can fulfill the concept of of being someone who can see someone else being in trouble and willing to, to reach out, willing to help. Here in the first verse, verse 28, it says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves. If you're going to fulfill the concept, not the title or the office, but the concept of an elder, how is it done? The first part, take heed to yourself. Well, the Bible says it this way. Maybe you're familiar with the verse where we are exhorted to take the log out of our own eye before we try to take the speck out of somebody else's. You guys have heard of that before, right? Because if i got a log sticking out of my eye, I can't see very well. To be quite honest, I can't see very well at all. Yeah, I did a wedding yesterday, and Kathy, the, 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 what do they call them things on top of the cake? You know, the bride and the groom, the little, what do you call them? Toppers, thanks. Somebody knows, come on, don't be afraid. So there's cake toppers, and right before the wedding starts, the, the male cake topper fell off, and broke, his head fell off. And all of a sudden, people were like, what kind of sign is that? Huh? He has lost his head. So, Kathy scoops it up, and she jumps in a car, and she takes off to go fix it. Now, the wedding starts in like 10 minutes. And I don't think nothing of it. Oh, Kathy's going to fix it. She's like that. She sees the need. She knows she can plug the hole. She plugs the hole. She goes and gets it done. She drove away my glasses. Yeah, we're getting ready to start the wedding, and I'm trying. I'm, I say, I'm pretty sure I have this all memorized, but if I don't, we're in trouble. Right at the last second, we're just getting ready to walk in. She pulls in in a car. She comes walking out, hands me my glasses, goes and sticks the dude with his glued-on head back on top of the cake, sits down, bam, we kick off right on time. So, all that to say... I don't know what the point was. The point was, I can't see very well. (laughs) Sometimes it happens like that. Take heed to yourself. Before you can help somebody else out, you got to know where you're at. And I think this is an important thing for us. You know, again, not talking about titles. We have a board of elders here at the church that are uh, godly men full of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit appoints to fulfill a position within the body here at Calvary Chapel Buell. But I'm talking in the sense of the body of Christ. There are elders. There are mature believers who can be a part 
of things that are taking place to shepherd. But we got to have the heart that God wants us to have. What's that heart? Undivided heart where the wanter is pointed toward Christ. Here, let's flip over to the book of Ezekiel. If you come on uh, Sunday night, you'll know we've been going through the book of Ezekiel on Sunday evening. In Ezekiel chapter 34, God has something to say to the shepherds. To the shepherds, those who are tending, right? Mature believers who are responsible to tend over those who are less mature. In chapter 34, verse 1, it says, And this is the word of the Lord which came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. What is the role of a shepherd? To tend, to feed others, to comfort others, to help others. Now, just in case, because sometimes we get this idea, I don't know... I don't think it's healthy, but sometimes we get the idea, though, that role, that concept should only be done by the pastor. That's what the pastor does. He's the shepherd. And in a lot of ways, that's true. But in a healthy body of Christ, that happens all throughout the body of Christ. For example, if you just hold your finger here, we'll come right back to it. And you flip to the right to the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 2, we see uh, Paul from prison writing to the church of Philippi, that was one of the churches that he uh, founded in in this uh, missionary journeys that he had. He says in chapter 2, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, or any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind, one heart. Right? Same kind of idea. Focused. Undivided. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does that just for a pastor? Esteem others better than yourself? Is it only for the pastor to feed? Is it only for the pastor to tend? Is it only for the pastor... To, to minister to the needs within the body. I don't think so. I think for, for mature believers, there's a call of God to be able to meet the needs within the body of Christ. And one of those is not to be only focused on feeding myself, taking care of myself, making sure I'm happy, making sure I have the stuff that I want. That's exactly what God is speaking against in Ezekiel chapter 34. Look what he says in, in verse uh, in verse 2, he says, Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? In verse 3, You eat the fat and clothe yourself with wool. <clears throat> you slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. Literally, in verse 3, he's saying, You're taking the parts of the sacrifice that belong to God. But you're still not feeding the flock. You're just taking care of yourself. Listen to verse 4. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who are sick nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. Now if we look at verse 4, and then we look at Isaiah 61, which we won't go to, but in Isaiah 61, the, the Scripture tells us what Jesus came to do. And basically what Jesus came to do was the opposite of everything you see in verse 4. To heal the hurting, to bind up the broken, 
So this was the, the indirect opposition to what Jesus came to do. When Jesus calls us to a relationship with Him that is symbolized by the relationship of marriage, what does He, what does he call us to? He says, come and follow me. Walk where I'm walking. Do what I'm doing. Do what I do. To, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to visit those in prison. That's Matthew chapter 24, 25. Matthew 25. The division between the sheep and the goats. The ones who are real and the ones who are not. So the idea is there on the page of Scripture for us to be men and women who are willing to feed, willing to reach out, willing to see, to tend to the weak. To those who are in need. To see a need and fill it. Or we can just be focused on ourselves. But if we're only focused on ourselves, I think we fall more in line with Ezekiel chapter 34 than we fall in line with Paul in Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, as he's laying out this call to them, as he's describing to them what it is that that God has given to him as his final words to share with them, the first thing he says is, take heed to yourself. Where are you really? How are you doing really? Do you just know Jesus intellectually or do you know Him intimately like a husband knows his wife? Or like a wife knows her husband? Is that how you know Jesus? Is your wanter, your desire pointed toward Him in an undivided heart seeking after Him? Because that's where the abundant life is, folks. That's where enjoyment springs forth. That's where that satisfaction is going to come from. Take heed to yourselves. Is Jesus the enjoyment of your life? Take the log out of your eyes so that you might help your brother. If you're going to help your brother, please, be right yourself. Be right. What is your greatest enjoyment? Well, it's simple. What you enjoy the most, you praise the most. In fact, when you really enjoy something, not only do you praise it, you will praise what you enjoy, but you will also tell others and try to get them to praise with you. What do you mean? Well, let's take the NFL. If you're a fan of, let's say, Denver Broncos, then you're going to praise the Denver Broncos wherever you go. Oh, wow, they are amazing. They're so good, so good. That quarterback is amazing. Oh my gosh, what an incredible team. And when you get together with other people, what are you going to tell them? Oh, you would not believe. I, I follow the Denver Broncos, man. They are. Man, you should switch. You should leave whatever team you're with, and you should come over with me because my team is the bomb. And your team, I don't know, it's not so great. Don't we do that? Well, you can insert whatever you want. It doesn't have to be an NFL team. It could be dirt bike riding. It could be hiking. It could be hunting. It could be fishing. It could be anything. What you enjoy, you praise. In fact, listen to what C.S. Lewis had to say about this. C.S. Lewis said this, The most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of compliments or approval or giving honor. But I never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows 
into praise. Do you catch that? All enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. Whatever you're enjoying, you will praise. If you're enjoying God, you will praise God. You'll tell other people about God. You'll want other people to come and know the God that you know because you enjoy Him. And from that will erupt your praise. Take heed to yourself before you worry about wolves. And before you worry about people rising up in the midst to take disciples after themselves, look at yourself. Take heed to yourself. Have your wanter wholly focused on the Lord. Don't deceive yourself. Don't live a life of self-destruction. That's all the things that we see when we don't have that, that pointer pointed to Christ. Take heed to yourselves. To all the flock, he says, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his blood. For I know this, after my departure, what will happen? Savage wolves will come. Paul said, after I leave, somebody's going to come in here and try to tear you apart. There is an enemy. And the enemy attacks two ways, from without and from within. So the first thing he's telling those in leadership within the church, the first thing he's laying out for them, for the mature, take heed to yourselves. Are you in a good place? And if you are in that place where you love the Lord your God, now start to watch. Look outside. Watch for them savage wolves. Because they're going to come. How will you know a wolf? How can you tell the difference between a wolf and a sheep? The Bible tells us sometimes wolves dress like sheep. So if they look like a sheep, and they talk like a sheep, how do you know whether or not they are a sheep? Simple. Watch what they eat. Sheep eat grass. Wolves eat sheep. Sheep don't eat sheep. Wolves eat sheep. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. He said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, who inwardly are ravenous wolves. How do you tell them apart? Watch what they eat. They eat sheep. They try to destroy the faith of believers or soon believers or close to believers or make believers, but they try to destroy that faith. A wolf comes in to bring false teaching. So what does he say for the mature? Watch, see, look for wolves. And if there's a wolf, point them out. It's uncomfortable to do that, by the way. If you ever have the opportunity to point out a wolf. I had a kid. Spent the night in my house. Wasn't my son. Was a, a young kid that came up in, in Sunday school and youth group uh, in Yucca Valley. And uh, he was in youth group when I was doing youth group. Uh, great kid. Loved him. But he got into some bad stuff. And uh, about the time he was in high school, I kept catching him trying to sell dope to kids in youth group in the bathroom. That's not such a great thing to be doing at church. So I talked to him. I love this kid. 
Talk to them a few times. Try to make deals with them. Try to work all kinds of things out. One day, Pastor Gerald came to me and he said, Jackie, this kid is a wolf. He is not a sheep. Your job is to keep the wolves away. So I had to tell him, hey, you can't come to church no more. This is where you're trying to destroy other people's lives. And that's not what we're about. I love you, brother, but you're out. And I tossed him out. Every once in a while, a couple months would pass, and he would come back every once in a while and say, man, I want to come back to church. And I'd say, well, bring your Bible and come. And he'd bring his Bible and come, and the next thing I know, I'd find him doing something again, and I'd say, hey, sorry, brother, you're out. Go away. The Bible talks about turning a man over to the world and letting the world chew him up. Because that's the only way that man or woman is going to come to the place where they can come to Christ with an undivided heart. Instead, there's all these other things, all these other desires, all this other stuff working on their life. When I was back in California the last time, went to church, I always try to sit in the back because I, I, I try to go incognito. It doesn't always work out. And I was sitting in the back this time, and he was there. I got to meet his little girl. She was probably three or four. And he's in church, trying to get his life on track. He bent down the road through the ringer, but trying to get his life on track. Listen, the house of God is always open to people who want to come and see Jesus and see their lives transformed and watch God work. The house of God is not just open to whoever wants to come. You got to keep the wolves out until they want to be sheep. Look, every one of us was a wolf once. Every one of us was looking to prey on somebody. But now we've learned Christ. Now we've come to Him. Now we've been changed, transformed. Now we're sheep. And if we're mature, I think the Word of God is calling us to watch for wolves. To watch for wolves. To protect the sheep. We're not in the business of sacrificing sheep for wolves. We are, however, in the business of sacrificing wolves for sheep. This is what He's calling us to. Watch out. The wolves are coming. The wolves are coming. But look what else He says. Not only are there wolves or attacks from without, look at verse 30. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. So the attack doesn't always happen out there. Where else does it happen? Inside. Look, the devil is no fool. He attacks the church two ways, from without and from within. He will bring attack from the outside and the next thing he will do is join. But you can always tell them. Remember, one of the things we talked about last week, remember that concept of we all have a craving in our heart. And if we'll allow that craving to be the Lord Jesus Christ, to be pointed, our one or pointed toward Him, we become like what we crave. So how do we tell these guys apart? Well, they become like what they crave. What do they crave? 
popularity. What do they crave? Disciples. What did the Word say? They will call disciples where? After Christ? No, after themselves. Come and follow me. And they start to build up for themselves. I think we are constantly in danger today in the church of this. Because we get all goo-goo-eyed over a teacher. Now, not that a teacher or a preacher is not worth double honor. The Bible talks about that. That's cool. But all a teacher or a preacher is, and I don't care how big a church or what they do, they are a hose through which the water of God flows. The better the hose, the less it tastes like rubber. But it's still a hose. But sometimes we get so excited about the hose. Oh, this is the greatest hose ever. We have to be careful. Am I not? Look, I got teachers I love too. Don't get me wrong. But the idea, guys, when we start to worship the teacher, we're losing the message. See, it's the message through which that flows through that hose that we want to have our heart pointed toward, not the teacher. And some teachers are good and it just happens and I get that. But we're in a dangerous place. Because if somebody one day rises up with that gifted tongue and a, and a blessing for being able to just a gift for oratory speech and he just gets you intrigued and the next thing you know you're following a man. And we don't want to follow a man. We want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't want to follow a teacher. We want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So we want to be careful. Take heed to yourselves. Watch out for them wolves out there. Watch out for people rising up inside that are false, not true, who are trying to draw you to follow them instead of following Christ. This is the warning that He's given to these people. And then He tells them in verse 31, Watch and remember for three years I didn't cease to warn everyone night and day. That word warn is a word admonish. I was constantly, night and day, with tears, weeping for you to be okay. What would Paul say? Paul said, man, I, I, I have toils and trouble all around me. He talks about the times that he was beaten with, with rods. And he talks about the times that he was whipped. And the times that he was stoned and left for dead. And the times that he had perils at sea and perils on the land and perils wherever he turned. And then he said, this thing that comes upon me every day, my deep concern for the churches. He said, I didn't cease to warn you night and day with tears. I'm afraid he's scared for them to get off track. He sees the beauty of a heart turned toward God and the beginning of the sprouting of the, of the ground as it gives forth to fruitfulness in their life. And he sees that and he thinks, oh, they're doing so good and they're going to grow and they're going to become something great. But then he's afraid. He's afraid of the wolves and he's afraid of those people who are going to try to lead him astray and lie to him inside. He's afraid. And that burdened him every day. A deep desire in his heart for them. He didn't cease to watch and to warn. We've got to do the same. Watch and to warn. Every once in a while, somebody has a a good book they read by an author I'm not keen about. And I have to warn you know 
that person's not okay. I don't mean they made a mistake once or a slip of the tongue. They got some issues that put them in in opposition to the truth of the Word of God. And this is the main thing. Uh, we have to watch and to warn. Watch and to warn when people are coming. This was the heart of Paul. This undivided heart that saw the need within the people. But look what he goes on to say in verse 32. Well, brethren, here's all I can do. I commend you to God and to the word of the gospel of His grace. Ultimately, he says, you belong to God. And God's going to work in your heart and lives. And Paul says, I know God's going to work. And I also commend you to the word of His grace. The word of God that will build you up and establish you and give you hope, give you future, everything that you need there in that, in that book that's on your lap. And in the relationship that you have with God. He says, I'm going to commend you to these things. I'll make myself crazy worrying about you every day. This is what Paul is telling them. So he calls them to watch out from first within themselves. From without with the wolves. From within people trying to bring up. And then he says... I want you to live by grace. I commend you to God. I commend you to the Word. And then he goes on, he says in verse 33, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. And you know, these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this. You must support the weak and remember the words that Jesus said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. The last thing he says is, don't be afraid to do a little hard work. Don't be afraid. If you look around and you think, man, I'm trying to, to, do, to do this thing, but I can't get anybody to get on board with me. Don't be afraid to sweat, to labor, to work. That's what Paul did. He said, I didn't covet what anybody else had or what anybody else had going on. Gold, silver, or apparel. We gotta be careful, right, in the church. Sometimes we covet other churches. Oh, I wish we had that. Or oh, I wish we, we did something like that. Or we but he said, I'm not gonna be like that. I'm just gonna do what I can with the hands God give me. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make meet the needs that we have as a body with, with what I got and what I can do. And I'm not going to worry about everybody else or what anybody else has. I'm just going to do what I can do in Christ. I'm going to keep my wonder focused on Him. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on Him. My heart given to Him. Undivided. Desiring the Lord. Praising God. Erupting in my life as a result. And I'm going to live by grace. Commended to God. Walking in the Word of the Gospel of His grace. And I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to do my best to be as productive as I can. I'm going, to, I'm going to do what I can. That's what Paul left them. Look, I labored with you guys. I did everything I could do. I took care of the people around me. I didn't, I didn't need anything special from you. I just did what I could do. I did what I could do. That's how he's leaving them. Man, guys, I love you. And I, and I tried to raise you up, and I tried to give you everything I could give you. Now I'm just going to give you to God. Just remember the example that I lived out before you. I I did everything I could. I did everything I could to be that blessing. And look what happened. 
And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, and they wept freely and fell on his neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words that he spoke, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. Manny, he had become what he craved. Didn't he? Isn't that who Paul is? He'd become what he craved. He would say in uh, in Ephesians um, chapter 5, I think. Ephesians chapter 5. He would say, Therefore, be imitators of God like dear children. Follow Him. He would also say, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. He became like Him. Christ became the main thing in his, in his life. And wherever He went, He had to talk about Him. He had to praise Him. He had to be about it. This morning, as we come to a time where we can partake of the Lord's Supper, and we can remember what it is Christ has done for us. And as we hear the admonition of the Apostle Paul in the pages of Scripture, here's kind of where my heart is today. I just, just want you to take heed to yourself. Don't deceive yourself. Don't destroy yourself. Just take an honest look. Where am I really? Do I love God? Yes, praise the Lord. Or maybe you're struggling. Sometimes I struggle. Sometimes I struggle with being satisfied with the Lord. Do you know that the psalmist prayed, Lord, help me to be satisfied with you. If a man after God's own heart, it was okay for him to pray that, you think it's okay for us? Sure it is. God, help me be satisfied in you. I feel my heart being divided. And I don't want it to be divided. Just take heed to yourself. Look at where you're at. Be honest with where you are. There's not some special thing that God wants. You know, I didn't perform very well last week and now, you know, I'm out. No, that's not God. That's man. Here's how God is. He's like a dad watching his son take his first steps. He's like, oh, come on, you can do it. You, oh, you fell down. Let me help you up. Let me get you up. Now, come on, you can go. You can do it. I know you can do it. That's God the whole time saying, I, you can do this. You can experience all that I have for you. You can experience all the joy and all the pleasure and all the, and all the beauty of life if you'll just, just walk with me. Just come with me. That's what God's doing. When we fall... All the Bible asks us to do is to be honest and confess it. The Bible tells us not to be hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? Someone who stumbles and falls and messes up and pretends like he doesn't. But to be honest and confess, Lord, I got it wrong. Help me get it right. And what's God do? He helps us get it right. He forgives us of our sin. He gives us a new and fresh outpouring and empowering of His Spirit to go, walk, do. But He wants us to be real, right? To be real? Isn't that what we want in a church? In order for a church to be real, guess what? The people in it got to be real. We got to be real with each other. We got to be real with the Lord. Look, I think God has stuff we can't even begin to fathom 
if we will have our wanter pointed to Him. And I think in my life, man, what would my life look like if I enjoyed God so much that, that I praised Him like I praised some of the stuff I love? The stuff I love. And I want to, I want to love Him. See, that's why Jesus said, if any of you would be my disciple, He's got to renounce all. You've got to be willing to let it all go. To be his disciple. That's what I want. But you see, it's the desire, not the performance that God wants. You can't do anything. You are a dead man. A dead woman without Christ. All he wants you to do is turn toward him and say, I want to be this. I want to experience this. And then God does his work. That's what coming to faith in Christ is all about. We come to Him and we say, Lord, take my life. Change me. And He comes into our life with this regenerative work of His Holy Spirit. He regenerates us as we put our faith in Him. He makes us able. He equips us with the ability to to be able to enjoy Him. It's His gifts all. That He gives us to be able to experience that. It's all Him. All we got to do is turn toward Him. That's what worship is. To turn toward. To turn toward. That's, that's, that's my part. That's not much. Some people would say that's a lot. I don't think it's that much. I turn toward a lot of things. I turn toward Harley Davidson. I turn toward a movie. I turn toward a comic. I turn toward all kind of things to try to make me happy in life. Don't you? What God wants us to do is turn toward Him. Man, watch what He can do. Watch, watch the joy that He can bring through your life. I'm honest. That's where I want to be. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. That's my goal. To be in that place. So today, as we remember the Lord's Supper, the body and the blood of Christ, as we worship, and as we prepare our hearts for what God is is doing in this place, just... Take heed to yourself. See where you're at. If you're in the family of God, praise the Lord. If you're not really in that place where you want to, you, you don't just don't quite have that whole heart thing. Just confess it and ask Him to help you. That's what God does. Look, none of us are ever going to be perfect on this side of of seeing Christ face to face. So you ought to get used to the fact you're going to need to ask for help. It's okay. If you know Him, come up. If your heart is, is in need of confession and repentance, confess and repent. And then come up. If you don't know Jesus Christ at all, come up and give your life to Jesus Christ and then take the Lord's Supper. It's here for us. As the worship team comes up, let's just be reminded, on that day in which the Lord was betrayed, He took the bread and He broke it. 
And He said, this bread is My body broken for you. So do this in remembrance of Me. That's why we have a Lord's Supper. But remember, His body was broke for Me. Jesus took the cup and He said, this cup is a new covenant. My blood shed for the remission of sins. Take, drink, do this. And as oft as you do this, remember Me. That's what the table's about. We remember the body and the blood of Christ. All that He's given us and the gifts that He has for us and the fact that He wants us to be able to enjoy Him and experience all so much more of what God has for us. All of that is symbolized by this table. But the Word of God tells us when we come to the table, we come to the table in a worthy manner. That doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means you understand what the table is. If you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, this table is just damnation. Because if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the body and the blood of Christ doesn't cleanse you. You're still in your sins. If you know Christ, and you're here today, please, as God moves your heart, and as you feel in a right place in your heart, just come and partake. Take the body and the blood Sit down, continue to worship, take it at your leisure as we sing this song, as the Lord would lead you. If you need to pray, there's going to be elders and people available up front to pray with you. So if you need to come up and pray and, and you feel like you need to pray with somebody else to, to confess your sin, please come up and, and pray with someone else. Confess your sin, be made right and partake in a worthy manner. If you don't know the Lord and you want to, just come up. And pray. I want to. I want to know the Lord, and those folks that are up here will be able to lead you in that prayer, and you can partake. Remember the body and the blood of Christ, man. He loves you so much. He traveled from places we can't even begin to imagine, just to be broken, just to bleed for you, just to make a way so you can have what you look for in life every day, so you can have ultimate joy and fulfillment in Him. That's what He come to give. That's salvation, a right relationship with God. It's only found in Him. It's only there. So we're going we're gonna to sing a song. In a moment we're going to pray and we're going to sing a song and I just invite you, as the Spirit moves in your heart, come on up and partake of the Lord's Supper together. And afterwards we'll close out with a word of worship. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank You for this time we can come before You. Thank You for what You've done for us, for what You give to us. Lord God, we pray that You might be glorified and magnified in this place. God, we want to honor You. We want to honor You with our life, Lord God. And we want to lay hold of all that You're promising us. God, Your promises are so amazing. That I've come to give You life and life more abundantly. And if... That's not what we've had. Maybe it's because our heart's divided. Lord, I pray that You would repair the divided hearts here today. And God, that You would just help us to remember how much You love us and how much You've given for us. Lord God, we pray that Your Spirit would guide us and lead us in this time as we lay it before You in Jesus' name.